Welcome to the Micropigmentation Podcast, a podcast dedicated to interviewing the insightful minds of semi-permanent makeup, scalp, medical, skin, and much more. I'm your host, Kelly Forshaw-Smith. Now let's jump into the episode. This episode is sponsored by ESR, a team of passionate skin activists dedicated to skin rejuvenation. They have bought out the UK's only serum-infused microneedling roller, which enriches your skin and reveals your natural beauty. I've been using this now for weeks and I've definitely seen the results. I'm loving the lockdown facial as well as seeing the great results just from the comfort of my own home. You can use the code PODCAST10 on www.esrskinrejuvenation.com for 10% off. Now, back to the episode. Hi, I'm Kelly Forshaw-Smith, Head Medical Micropigmentation Trainer for the Finishing Touches Group and Director and Technician of Medicos London. Today we have... El Truhan, owner of Perfect Definition and Scalp Microdefinition and trainer for Nubo Contour KB Pro. She is joining us and today Elle's subject is going to be medical micropigmentation on vitiligo. So welcome Elle. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So first of all, for anyone out there, um, probably need to know from the start, what is vitiligo? So vitiligo, you may have noticed on people occasionally and not even knew what it was. It's the white patches on the skin that you may notice. Usually on a darker skin tones, it's more visible than on a lighter Fitzpatrick skin tones. Um, it is autoimmune condition, despite what majority of people think being skin condition, it's actually autoimmune condition, which results with white patches being created due to um, destruction of melanin cells inside the skin. So basically, in simple words, that's what it is. It's autoimmune condition that destroys skin pigmentation in patches that progressively expand or don't expand anymore after the certain events. Very good. And Elle, how did you get into doing medical micropigmentation for vitiligo? So it's actually a little bit of a long journey. <laughs> uh, hopefully we have enough time for that. So I'll just quickly bri- uh, browse through it. Um, I used to be a stockbroker and I moved into becoming a permanent makeup artist in 2014. So that's where I started. Then I've learned uh, medical micropigmentation in 2015 and I became a trainer uh, for Nubo Contour and then KB Pro in 2016. But my actual vitiligo journey started a little bit earlier before I even knew or heard of uh, micropigmentation. Um, I got a laser tattoo removal done around my ankle for a tattoo that I didn't want in uh, 2007 and sometimes between 2007 and 2009 um, due to quite severe burns that I was experiencing I've noticed there was something fishy going on there Um, the white patches from the little burns that I had started getting bigger and bigger but I thought "Mm, maybe some just scarring or anything like that not really bothered too much at that point but when they started expanding to other areas in about 2009 I got a little bit concerned Mm. so I went to the GP 
and I got misdiagnosed with something else. And I went to another GP and I got misdiagnosed and I was like, mm, that doesn't sound right at all. So I started researching online. And um, obviously, thank, thankfully to internet, uh, you have different resources and you can read about all those medical conditions. And I came across vitiligo and I was like, okay, that kind of looks like my stuff. So I ended up um, going to a private dermatologist who actually confirmed that it was vitiligo. And that's when it all started. So um, my vitiligo started progressively getting more angry in 2010. Um, I was going through a little bit of severe stress at that point uh, in my life. And uh, it just expanded. It was just appearing in different areas around my body. And it was very um, stressful having it done, which I assume added to my stress and made it worse. Yeah. Um, and then it got really angry um, between 2010, around 2012 and 13. And I was like, that's it. So um, any of the topical um, solutions I was given, like steroid creams um, from the, the standard GPs and so on, none of that was working for me. Um, so I went on a quest of finding a solution to my problem. Very good. And, uh, and we're very glad you did. Uh, yes, I am a little bit of a freedom fighter. So anyone who watches my Facebook feed will notice that. Free the animals and free us from lockdowns okay. and so on. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was on a quest of freeing myself from vitiligo. So um, I traveled a little bit uh, from specialist to specialist. Anyone who had some sort of experience in vitiligo treatments, usually they are medical professionals. So um, there was Netherlands most recently. There was um, uh, Germany, US, Dead Sea in Israel, uh, gosh, uh, Britain all over the place. I've seen different types of specialists. And um, as I was doing my research and um, coming towards, um, well, my solution, because I managed to help myself in 2016 and recover 95% of my own pigmentation, um, I, uh, I put a, a pack of things that actually worked for me. And um, when I've learned micropigmentation in 2015, um, that was one of the things that I added to my pack. So micropigmentation and um, microneedling. So for me, it was microneedling personally that also helped. So did, uh, you, so did you learn the um, medical micropigmentation because you have vitiligo or did that just come part and part? It actually was quite, quite few things tagging me in that direction. Um, uh, it was my own vitiligo. So when I went into permanent makeup field um, in 2014, I already knew there was uh, medical micropigmentation. And yes, I so wanted to learn. Uh, but there was also my childhood friend who uh, was suffering from uh, breast cancer who later died and she was going through her um, um, unfortunate um, horrible experience and that was that tagged me towards the nipple and areola tattooing yeah um, and yeah all the things were just pushing me in one direction and it was just kind of natural thing I fell into um, after learning the permanent makeup yeah. which I also still continue it's it's a little bit different than being a stockbroker that's for sure <laughs> a little bit <laughs> but i would i would guess a lot better <laughs> it's different you know um mm. i mean both jobs were great um high adrenaline spikes in the previous yeah. one and a little bit calmer all no, although not stress-free whatsoever uh, in a present <laughs> present uh, job but yeah both good very different so um going back to the vitiligo with medical micropigmentation so are there any can everyone have it done or are there limitations for who can have it done and when they can have it done 
So this is a little bit controversial, as you probably have seen it yourself, like anywhere you're looking on different forums or different trainings, people will say different things. And again, because Vitalago is such a still undiscovered, un uncapped uh, condition, um, the views will vary. So, for example, uh, from my experience and from my training and from my insurance purposes, we are okay to treat when the vitiligo has been stable or in re, um, remission yeah. for two years. So it has to be stable or in remission for two years, meaning it shouldn't be changing or expanding or having any, any whiter dot showing up, but it's okay to treat if the pigment is being recovered. So that was my own situation. I was treating myself when the pigment was in the recovery stages. So again, if you look around the forums, some people will advise that it should never be treated. Yeah. Some people will advise that it has to be more, five years, six years, seven years. Some people will say, oh, it's okay to treat at any point. So it's really dependent on where you learn and how you learn it and what you've yeah. been told, I guess. I mean, on, um, on a personal note is um, I've never, I had treated patients before with vitiligo years ago before they put in, you know, it should be remain dormant for seven years. I personally, of those patients, um, never seen, it, you know, it trigger or it get worse or, you know, or, or years later, there'd be more problems. But I mean, most insurances, well, some insurances state, do state, like you mentioned, uh, seven years of it remaining dormant before you can touch it. But like I said, I've, I don't know. I've, I've, I've seen links of it. I've not seen links of it. It's hard to know because obviously if you, unless you do someone, you don't know whether it's going to trigger in years to come. So, I mean, I, I'm not sure if it's someone you know sat on uh, behind a desk and says oh no we must give it two years or we must give it seven years um but obviously with your um research obviously having it yourself tell us a little bit about what you found of you know what are the triggers um of what you think of, as a personal experience um to what triggers off vitiligo so vitiligo it's a little bit funny it's an overworking immune system that um thinks your melanin cells are a foreign object and it wants to go and kill it. Um, the reason for that is the immune system is not behaving correctly. It's malfunctioning, but something has to cause the malfunction. So from the years of research that I've done it, I discovered that a lot of patients that suffer from vitiligo um, experience intolerances or allergies or um, irritants in their body that could cause it because they have something happening long term in their system constantly putting uh, autoimmune um, on a high alert autoimmune is overworking and same as us imagine us overworking like working 16 17 20 hours a day and not getting enough rest not getting enough sleep not getting enough break on some point you're gonna give in and you're gonna start making mistakes right yeah so think about autoimmune system having to constantly for example fight with um something that you are intolerant to but you keep consuming it so let's say you are gluten uh, intolerant or um wheat intolerant or for example you um contracted candida and your body is continuously trying to fight with it and it has no break from it and then you have an extra trigger for example you have a cat or scratch on your skin or you have fallen off the bike or you had a car accident and there is a psychological or physical trauma adding to the ongoingly overstressed immune system that is constantly already working on a very very high alert 
then something can go wrong. By making a mistake and malfunctioning, the immune system will go, okay, uh, I need to kill something else. So it just goes, okay, I'm fighting with candida nonstop and I'm fighting with the intolerance of gluten nonstop. And this is something new. I don't know what that is. I'm just going to go and attack it. So just almost like it makes an error because it's overworked. Yeah. And um, when it kills the um, pigment inside the skin, um, it will uh, create skin showing the white patches so that's how kind of the behavior is understood and how it works so to stop vitiligo progressing we need to remove the original cause so we need to put it back into the normal behavior and make it stable so quite often you will note that people they've tried few things and the vitiligo just kind of went back to being stable and it hasn't progressed for many many years because maybe something in your life has happened that the irritant was removed or you changed your diet or you're trying to live stress-free life or so on so for a lot of people it was just like singular event uh, well, for others, that progression of vitiligo is still there because the autoimmune system is still fighting something. So before I ever even touch anyone, I speak to them about their, um, their history of the vitiligo. I want to know when was the recent changes and what they are. I actually don't tell them what I'm expecting to hear for me to be able to treat them. I want to hear the truth from them because a lot of people are desperate. Um, usually when they get in touch is because their vitiligo is in a bad state, so it's yeah. progressing. And those ones I cannot treat with um, medical micropigmentation or with, uh, with microneedling. I can't. I don't want to aggravate the vitiligo. It's in a stage when it's angry, it's on a high alert, it's only going to concentrate on anything that we're doing to the body and go and expand most likely. So that's why I don't treat in those circumstances. Yeah. But I don't want to tell that to the patients before I actually hear it from them because when someone is desperate, they will say, oh, no, no, it's been like that for many years. Yeah. Can you treat it? It's normal. It's human nature. I probably would have done that myself when it was, you know, aggressive, when it was expanding. I would have done anything to get rid of it. Yeah. It's really um, affecting a lot of people psychologically. And until you have it, it's hard to actually understand unless you work like yourself with a lot of patients and you know the emotional impact it has on them. Right. Yeah. So. Before I even treat anyone, I pre-screen them. So I want to hear their vitiligo journey, the treatments they've tried, when it was most recently active, um, how it was active, what was happening. So um, if I cannot help them with um, medical micropigmentation or microneedling, because it hasn't been long enough for it to be stable or in remission, I have another plan that I've put in place myself of the things that I did to suppress my um, autoimmune uh, being on a high alert and put it back to sleep. Yeah. So I give them that plan. I don't charge them for anything. I, I tell them I'm not a doctor. I yeah. can't give you medical advice, but this is what I did for myself and for quite a few of my other patients. And it has helped them. And now the vitiligo that is in remission for quite a long period of time, we can look at it again and treat wherever is left from it. Yeah, I, so wherever I, think the... it I think it's educating the, the vitiligo patient before coming in, because obviously you don't want to make it worse for them because you're going to make the whole oh. more, more stressful. So just absolutely with the consultation, like you said, you're very kind, you don't charge for it. So it's letting them be aware of what it is and then they can choose from there. 
And also it's up to them if they want to take uh, my suggestions and try them out. It's never a quick fix with vitiligo. It takes years to recover all yeah. your own pigmentation, like it did for me, as you probably heard from your own patients as well. Um, it's not a quick fix. There is no magic wand. And I actually, when I give them the advice, there are words included. There is no magic wand with vitiligo. Yeah. I, I always use that. I'm a technician, not a magician. Um, so that, that's my favorite. So, but like you said, it is an ongoing thing. Some of these patients that I've had as well, the same as you, because I mean, how long do you leave in between a treatment yourself? So um, once we get to the stage of a treatment, and I'll be honest with you, it's quite rare because the patients that contact me are usually in the expanding stage, yeah. and those ones I can't treat. Uh, but the ones that actually uh, go through the consultation and um, are assessed to be suitable for the treatment now I leave minimum six weeks between yeah. the sessions yeah, usually same. I like it longer but they also have to do additional things before I allow uh, before I agree to actually treat them so from me what, they what get sort of call. additional things do you recommend them to do before um, they okay <laughs> so I'm not a doctor but yeah. I ask them to go on supplements so they have to source usually from their GP vitamin b12 injections um, because the vitiligo likes high level of vitamin B12 for the immune system to stabilize um, uh, vitamin D, vitamin C, folic acid, zinc, iron. And this is going to sound really cruel, but I ask them if they can reduce their animal um, based food intake and okay. go more plant-based food. And there are some other reasons for it. Uh, I can't we'll, get we'll into the whole thing because we'll be here for a week. <laughs> I suggest if yeah. they follow, it's up to them. Uh, while they are on a supplements intake and they build that up before we even start with the treatments, um, I also suggest they do the test for intolerances, allergies, so they can find out what could be the irritant that yeah. still is inside their body and remove that. So if it's gluten, okay. it's gluten. If it's lactose, it's lactose. If it's candida, get treated for candida, which is like a fungus inside the blood, inside the skin that is actually not, vis not visible to the naked eye. Um, so I get those uh, triggers, those irritants away out from the um, uh, system first, if I can, to allow the immune system to just chill and not be as aggressive towards everything yeah, else. So that it, we're it, going to do. you're prepping your canvas and yep. giving it the best possible chance to get the best result. Oh, I think I yep. think that's a goodie. Yeah, it's not too bad. I also suggest that try before we start with the treatments to try UVB lamp. Okay. So when the immune system is in a good condition. UVB lamp um, has a better chance of stimulating the um, melanin production inside the cells, but that takes time as well as the skin renews itself, you know, the dead cells cannot get stimulated, we have to wait for the new cells to be created and then they can be stimulated. But again, so it doesn't work for everyone. You, when you do your treatments, I mean, obviously, they, people can come on your training or they can go train somewhere else, wherever they want to do. Um, do you, are you needling or are you adding color? That depends. So um, <laughs> for the Fitzpatrick one, two, three, normally I will recommend only microneedling. Um, that's because I'm a little bit funny with the pigment. I know you do it super successfully. And um, I've seen some of your work on uh, low, uh, lighter skins and I've seen other ones and they yeah. look great. But for some reason, I am a little bit personally on a, um, on a different side. I will treat darker skin tones, but the lighter ones people tend to go on the sun. In the okay. summer, they will tan and the pigment doesn't change the color. And in the winter, they go pale and yeah. the pigment stays the color that we've matched 
at the time when I was watching their skin being the color that it was at the time. Uh, see, see, that's when I, that's when, this is what's nice is that we're two technicians who do medical micropigmentation. So it's lovely to have a conversation and to have a debate, if you like, um, on, on what we'd use, a friendly debate. Um, <laughs> so what I tend to do for mine is I will mosaic a color in. So uh, lots of colors. So like sometimes they'll even be up to 20 colors. Um, and that's how that's how I work around like the, the, the skin. It will never be perfect, but it depends. Like you said, it all depends on the patient, all depends on the area um, that mm. you're working. So, for example, the hands are a lot harder um, than, say, if you've got a, a, a piece on the skin and also an area that's in the sun a lot is going to fade mm. the pigment more. So they're all factors. There's so many factors. I mean, that that's why I would say, don't. I'm sure you agree, but. It, not just because I'm a trainer, but you really need to be trained in this. It's not a matter of picking up um, some pigment and going, oh, I'll have a go at that. Oh, gosh, no, you can't yeah, do that. Please, like, nobody oh, don't do that. It in. And it's like, no, 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 don't color it in. <laughs> don't even touch them. Step away from the needle. It's not paint by numbers. <laughs> no, it's not paint by numbers. I wish it was. <laughs> no, absolutely. You are so spot on. Uh, you need a uh, real hardcore training before you even touch someone. Uh, if you are a permanent makeup artist and you're thinking like, oh, I'll just have a go, please don't. Yeah. It's just, it's not going to end up well neither for you or the patient. And also, even with us, um, I'm sure if you can't manage your patient expectations, you probably are super cautious about treating that person even with years of your experience, yeah. right? If someone has unrealistic expectations and think that's gonna exactly match my skin and look exactly like my skin, I'm going like, mm, that's not going to quite happen, especially on the light, lighter skin tones, right? Well, so well also, the skin is so many different colors that it's yes. not gonna be one flat color. And do you remember those pictures? This is what I will say to my patients the pictures that um they had all the dotting um in and then you, your eye kind of draws towards it if you use one flat color your oh, eye is no. actually going to draw more towards it than it did in the first place so it's all a, a medical i'm sure you agree is is um it's a bit messy it's not as perfection it's as not the science little hairs it's kind of a bit messy it's seeing how it heals they come back again it's it's a, a length it's a journey that your patients are on with you it's not like you said earlier it's not just a oh i'll do one treatment and then i'm done they need to be aware at the beginning that this is going to take a long time i mean on average um i usually say to somebody i'm not sure about yourself but about three treatments after i've done a color patch test so I always do a little bit, if I'm using color, obviously we talk about the needling and say, but if I'm using color, I tend to do a little color patch test if they're stable and they're a right candidate for it. I then wait for them to come back. And then that's a minimum of four weeks anyway. And I want to see that they're looking after it, that you know, they're doing all the right things. And then I'll begin. And then they're looking very roughly on a small patch at three sessions with a minimum of four weeks in between. Minimum. Um, like you said, you want longer, really, don't you? I prefer a little bit longer because someone's healing process is not the same as others persons. Yeah. So I usually say six weeks minimum and then I will see you. So, um, yes. Some people have crazy expectations. They yeah. think we just colored in exactly yeah. as you said, and that's it. They first go, it's like, no, no, it will be a few months. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I have seen some disastrous treatments, um, which I'm sure you have as well. And I just think it's a titanium-based product, particularly if you're dealing with skin colors. There's a lot of titanium in there. And like it just sits on the top of that border 
and starts to go a little oxidized and go a little bit yellow in, in like a long length of time. So you have to be very careful. We do a lot of dilution um, in order to get the color into the, the correct tone that we're after. We do a lot of mosaicing to get the right tone. There's, it's not a matter of just picking it up, choosing a color like, like a makeup, putting it on your skin and going, oh yeah, that's the nearest one. It doesn't work like that. And each area, so if you think as well, the face is a different color than even the neck. Then also then you've got the, the body, you've got the, the groin. I mean, the areas that are affected by vitiligo in general tend to be around the mouth, around the eye sockets, the groin, the fingers, and then the toes. Um, is there any other areas? And, and the underarm as well, yeah. So um, they're the main areas that you're working on. I mean, the underarm on its own, you have to factor in the fact that obviously we sweat. Of course I don't, because I'm a lady. Um, but, <laughs> we, but we do sweat. We're using deodorant as well. They're all things yes. that are going to affect a colour and the pH level that's in your skin. So it, it really is quite intense. I personally think um, that skin camouflage is the hardest of all of the micropigmentation I do. Oh, I agree with you. And um, that's why probably I don't do it as often and as bravely as you do you have years of experience over me and um even though i'm the person with the vitiligo um mm. i still am so so cautious so yeah. um yeah actually i should pop in and have a class with you <laughs> we need to i'll have to do it this. very soon obviously with a glass of wine afterwards <laughs> <laughs> or during yeah, no, exactly, no, exactly. <laughs> so um, if you can't treat somebody with vitiligo what um other options are available to them so they are the standard options that you get on NHS. So you get the steroid cream, you've got the UVB lamp, if they allow to treat you, um, or they may suggest you get one yourself. Then there are immune system suppressants, um, and they have a quite good recovery rate because the whole aggravation of immune system going crazy, trying to kill things is being squashed down but it's super dangerous because we know what happens with the patients that are on immune system suppressants for their organ transplants. Yeah. Obviously they suppressing it completely so their immune system doesn't fight the foreign organ. Um, works similarly with the vitiligo and it's been also in trials so they are mixing different doses and different meds and trying out on some of the vitiligo patients. Uh, but it's dangerous because anything else that flies around, any virus, any infection, your body is not capable of dealing with it very well because your immune is being suppressed. Yeah. So you catch a common cold, it can turn into a nightmare. You catch, I don't even want to mention COVID. Um, <laughs> you catch a flu or you, you scratch yourself and you get an infection. All can really turn badly. So um, it's one of the um, more dangerous options. Um, there is also medication in uh, which is not available at all for vitiligo patients presently. And it's been worked on for quite a few years. But as you can... Um, uh, as you know, with medication, it takes forever to be released after they are being tested properly yeah. and so on and tweaked until they don't have any more um, severe side effects. It's an arthritis medication that uh, it's been worked on, I believe, since 2014. And it actually has amazing results on uh, recovering pigmentation with vitiligo people. Um, also helps in some of the alopecia cases because alopecia wow. is a condition. Mm -hmm, to vitiligo so maybe maybe soon 
soon on some point we will have it actual actually available to us fingers crossed but then you have other things that you can do yourself for example so um as i mentioned i prep my clients before i even treat them the ones that i can but the ones that i can't i give them the list of the supplements and um, the name of the uvb lamp that they can purchase themselves and help themselves by um taking the high doses of supplements to kind of rest and relax the autoimmune remove um the irritants and allergens and candida if it's present so they need to run the intolerances test uh, which is super easy it's so accessible these days um and uh, yeah they can use the uvb lamp at home themselves you can purchase them online the medical providers made those very accessible so anyone can literally obtain one and as long as they are diligent and follow the plan um and if they don't have the irritants or allergens in their body um, stimulating the um, high alert of immune system, they usually get good results. I have quite a few clients that weren't suitable for uh, medical tattooing or microneedling because their vitiligo was in expanding stage, in the angry stage, um, that went on uh, those supplements and reduction of need and uh, anti-allergens um, and so on and uh, they're getting really really nice results so the vitiligo got stable and then it started going back to pigmentation so it's nice it's hard it's hard to get all pigmentation back but as long as you get the most um noticeable patches and you start seeing improvement you feel a lot better as well Fantastic. I mean, I'm, with my patients, the ones that I can't treat, because I, I don't do all the light therapy, but I'm actually thinking I might. Um, is that, that's obviously something you need to train in to do all of the light treatments and so on. Can you can you do it in your own salon? So I actually don't do it. Huh. I just tell them which lamp they can get. It's easily accessible online. They can buy it and use it at home themselves. You just buy it at home and then you can do it at home. They have different sizes. They have a handheld ones. They have a standing ones for a bigger body coverage. I had both of them. Yeah. I'm only using the handheld one. Well, I haven't used it for years, but I still keep it safe, sitting, waiting in case yeah. I need it. Is that um, a yeah, you... bit like um, you know, those sad lamps that you know, if you're feeling a bit down, have they have they got any? Well, obviously not sunshine. Otherwise, it would be tanning you, and it have you been. But um, is it a little bit like one of those sad lamps, which um, you're meant to put into if you're on the computer, say, all day? Um, or you suffer from um, uh, seasonal affective disorder, hence the sad lamp. You, you put it in your eyes and it kind of gives you a little bit of brightness to your day. No, not quite. Actually, do you want to see it? I, I can run off and it. grab it. One second. Okay. So also why I was doing that, um, I also recommend my patients to have, um, if they can't treat them, is that they could look at maybe a camouflage. Um, a camouflage makeup there's quite a lot out there um, I personally use one called Ripper um, which I love I actually use it as a day-to-day -day makeup um, so it's sweat resistant water resistant um, and it, so it doesn't clog your skin oh here we are so this is one of Sorry. the UVB lamps yes okay so, so it is this tiny is yeah, so this is the handheld one, and I, I swear I haven't used it since about 2016, since I recovered most of my pigmentation, but this is one of them. This is the handheld one. That's how it looks like, wow. and you, when you pop it on, um, it has almost like a comb here, like a brush. Yeah. It's a distancer, so it keeps the correct distance from the skin. So, for example, when I used to treat my underarms, I would just place it here, and it's literally 33 seconds on each area, and then you move on to the next area, then you move on to the next area. 
So uh, you pop your phone on a timer and it just beeps after 33 seconds and you just hold it to another area. So it releases the 311 nm um, light wavelength, uh, which is the stimulant for a natural recovery of, melatonin, uh, of melanin. Oh, wow, it looks a little bit like a giant's hairbrush, doesn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or if lockdown continues when I'm doing the underarm, it will brush uh, them at the same time. It's not a hair removal. <laughs> it's, it's no, you hair don't have comb. those, you're a lady. <laughs> it's a lockdown underarm comb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, right, so I was just mentioning while you were grabbing your bits a little bit about camouflage makeup. Do you use a camouflage range? So I used to use personally on me, and if the patients that um, coming in asking what else they can use in the meantime while they're not suitable for something else, um, I used to recommend the range that uh, I used to use at the time. It's called Dermacolor, and it's quite good. It's a waterproof, uh, 48 hours lasting, and then of course you have to reapply and so on. But I heard you have an amazing range that just yeah. I was just mentioning it's, it's, it. it's called Ripper, uh, Ripper Camouflage. It's an Italian brand. Um, that is incredible. I'm actually um, got lit on my list to interview uh, Luca, who is the um, the designer, if you like, or the manufacturer of these products. Um, so I'll do that one in another time. But I love it. I use it all the time on my skin, and it's just a matter of the the, the idea is that the patient can do it at home. They can't be coming to us every day and having it applied. And the uh, the oh, old no. ones, I don't know if um, I remember years ago when I used to do camouflage, like as the option for someone. Is years ago it was like you have to apply this and then this and then this and I was like cheese it's so complicated this is now fine-tuned and a lot easier oh I'm glad to hear that um I, I would love to see your range because then I can recommend it as well as a you know in the list yeah, of options definitely. and well, the long I'll list of things some. I give to my people <laughs> yes, <please laughs> thank you <laughs> you're welcome so going back to the vitiligo um we've obviously spoken about the UVB lamps that you'd recommend we've seen one now as well um you've spoken about the before what you recommend before for a patient to have um what about the after having the treatment is there anything that they can be doing after having the treatment so they need to continue on the supplements plan, plan and that's kind of forever for me to tr agree yeah. to treat them. It's like you have to stay on them, otherwise it goes back to what it was before and make sure the um, uh, allergens and so on are removed from your um, uh, diet. Um, and as an actual aftercare after the treatment, um, that depends on the body area. Um, I usually have a microbalm, which okay. I um, uh, give out clients after the tattooing, or hustle butter. They're all plant-based. I love them, as long as they're not allergic to anything that uh, that is in it. Depending on the body of the area, I also like cling film. I like the good old cling film, and I like it roughed up. So um, I get quite a good amount, good amount, I shouldn't say that, uh, quite a high amount of nipple and areola um, vitiligo patients. So yeah. it's actually nipple and areola that was affected by vitiligo, yeah. and it's partial or full of loss of color. So for those ones, uh, they have to wrap it up because we were close, oh, male and females, uh, women were bras. So I need to be friction free. Yeah. They have to keep it moist for about another two weeks. Um, skin is um, takes time to heal and we don't want any interference. Also, it gets itchy. So if they, during the day, won't scratch it, but when they sleep, it's easy to scratch it. So I like my cling film there to prevent anything happening to those areas. Um, so that's pretty much my aftercare, um, just the product and obviously 
no touching, no picking, no products yeah, apart absolutely. from what I give them. No water. I don't actually, I know there are different aftercares and some people yeah. will say, no, it should be washed. I, for example, I, I, I like clean, clean film, but I don't like the areas to get wet. Um, it just kind of creates um, different scabbing off effect. I like it to be moist with a micro balm or hustle bottle. I don't like getting wet. So yeah. I advise them to protect from the water with uh, those uh, waterproof uh, uh, injury plasters that they can apply if they go into the shower and then put the clean film back on and so on. What's yours? Um, mine is, I, it is interesting because it's all very different, like you said. Um, mine is all about getting air to it. So immediately after I try, if I can, obviously if it's on the, the breast area for uh, vitiligo, um, I tend to use just gauze. I make sure the area is uh, dry first, then I put gauze over the area. Um, and then when they get home, they're to remove the gauze, let the air get to it. Um, and then put on something dark, clean and soft after. No bra, no dressing, no anything. And then the next day, continue as normal with a nice, dark, soft, clean bra. So it is very wow. different, but there's, there's different yeah. theories with it all. Um, and it's, I guess it's just whatever works best for you, um, mm. for each individual patient. What products do you use? Like, as in what, what um, I know you said you work with, um, with Nouveau Contour. Yeah, so I originally was trained um, in 2015 with Nouveau Contour Pigments. Then I was actually training with uh, Vicky Martin for Nipple oh, yeah. and Areola, also in 2015. Um, and uh, that Vicky. was with the LI range, with the camera range. Ah. And then uh, I got into the world famous, um, so yeah. the pink ribbon range, which also has skin colors. Yeah. So all those ranges, they have a Nipple and Areola and as well the skin colors. So honestly, I still work with all three of them. It's, it, as you said, you mix pigments. I yeah. swear to God, I never mixed 20 of them before. Yeah. But I have used different ones and even from different ranges, even that it's a little bit, you're not supposed to do that. But if you know what you're working with, well, yeah. I do. So, yeah. and I never had a problem as long, as long as there were patch tests for all three brands, I had no issues with Yeah, them. I mean, obviously um, we only use the range. So say it's one range, we only use that range. We don't mix ranges, but we do, you can mix different colored pigments um, all together. I mix ranges. Oh, I'm do you? Okay, I'd, I'd I say ranges. for anyone out there, obviously to be a bit careful in case they're not organic or inorganic. Obviously, you know your stuff. Yep. Um, which is good, but if they're inorganic or organic pigments, it's quite, well, you can't mix them. You shouldn't mix them too much. I don't mix them all in one pot, yeah. but I mix them as I go from session to session to achieve the oh, different density, session different session. color. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do mix the pigments, not in one pot. Right, okay, good. <laughs> no. good. <laughs> I mix them. <laughs> Let's chuck it all in and just block it out. That, that's a bit like my cake baking. And if anyone's ever seen my, uh, my cake baking, they'll know exactly what I mean by that. <laughs> So I don't bake probably um, for that reason. So someone who's had vitiligo, um, obviously we mentioned that the triggers of the needle going into the skin is what can cause um, it to, to spread. Can they still yes. have normal needling like meso or skin injectables? No. It's the same. It's still injury. Even if they fell on off the bike and scrape their skin, it can happen again. It can get re-triggered. It's not specifically just tattooing or needling any injury to the body or any um, intense uh, psychological trauma. So for example, strange one, women get vitiligo uh, from giving birth or getting wow. pregnant. Um, yeah, it's a 
disbalance in the body and it's uh, it's one of the triggers and not a lot obviously uh, some people get it from a loss of a family member or an accident something really traumatic happened yeah. and uh, unfortunately can trigger it so it's yeah. not just physical but it's also mental trauma so i just ask them all to be as as relaxed as possible try yeah. not to get stressed about things you know bigger picture and so on uh, so no i wouldn't needle it's the same rules for tattooing for needling for me it's yeah. still needling the skin is still an injury to the skin okay but so just, it people doesn't may matter be doing how deep it goes to me no no okay but other people may have different views and different opinions yes. are, everyone is welcome depending on how they work you know and what yeah. they know i try to work within the scope of what i believe yes works yeah, and 100%. i feel safe with I think that's yeah. what everyone should do. They should, you know, if they, if they see something, they oh, they mustn't do that. Actually learn about it a little bit more, see what works for you and then whatever works for you and your patients. I mean, that's the main goal, isn't it? Is getting the best results possible. And if people aren't talking about it like openly like this, then it does get a bit confusing. So I think it's really invaluable to have this sort of conversation. So I think it's brilliant. One final question, um, and I'll let you get on with your day is, um, so obviously with the medical, it's not really known about that much um, with the vitiligo treatments that are available. What would you recommend to one of your students um, or for somebody, a patient looking to have the treatment done to where, where, sort, where can you advertise this? Where can you market it and let people know about what you can do? So I'm the worst person for marketing and marketing advice you could ask. <laughs> <laughs> I never had an advert running, so okay. I wouldn't know much about it. What I would say is we should make the doctors aware and yeah. nurses aware and dermatologists aware of what we do because we are the final frontier. I like that yes, name. I like because that. where everything else fails, we are the ones that fix it in the end. Yes. So uh, same as with surgeries, with scarring, uh, with the nipple and areola tattoo in postmasectomy, with the skin camouflage, everything else is usually tried out first. Yeah. And what they end up with at the end is us as the last resort. Yeah. So because we are at the end, it's almost like we are forgotten because if the doctor can't fix it, he will not recommend going anywhere else. But that's not the right approach. Yeah. They should be recommending. They will say if those treatments, if those steroid creams don't work, if the lamp doesn't work, if this doesn't work and we can, you know, your vitiligo is in the right state. Why not having the medical tattoo, medical micropigmentation, microneedling, but they don't. Some of them because they kind of in their little own bubble and they don't know about what we do. So educational programs for the dermatologists, for the NHS staff, for the doctors and nurses, that would be great. I think that's what actually would achieve the purpose and uh, bring the knowledge a little bit more into the, the open market, if, um, if that's correct thing to say. Oh, otherwise, you can, of course, market. You can put pictures online. You can put pictures on your website. Obviously, you have to have a consent. Um, you, have to, you can put them on Facebook, Instagram, and so yeah. on. That's what I do. I just post everything on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Google. Well, not myself, because I would mess it up if I was doing it. I have someone doing it for me. <laughs> I'm old school. I write it on a piece of paper and give it to someone else. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, more, um, more education, more treatments. If more people talk about it and post about it, it will be more visible. But I really would love to get it to the, to the actual NHS and to the private, uh, private doctors and dermatologists. So they have like a leaflet or something. Say yeah. those are the options. Do your research or wherever they can refer to a practitioner like us. But they 
they actually should mention it on some point and they yeah. don't i think well, that's maybe, a, that's maybe we should problem. send this to them we should be sending it to this, <laughs> this interview this chat um and then they, they can get knowing so we, we love you surgeons <laughs> dermatologists please put our products and um in, and services into your treatments <laughs> yeah some do it's funny actually i did a, a camouflage on a scalp for a gentleman who's a dermatologist and he was like oh my god we need to tell everyone about it i'm like well we try yeah. <laughs> he goes you need to go and send these emails to nhs about what you do i said okay so he sent me a, a link where you get the email addresses where you can send like stuff to the nhs i got a response after chasing it about six months three months later then we actually don't refer to blah 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 yeah. like okay <laughs> try again well we'll, we'll keep trying we'll keep pushing what we do and we'll keep educating i think that's what all we can do um until then l this has been absolutely fascinating i've really really enjoyed chatting to you for both of us i absolutely love this and yes i i must i must try some of the stuff with you so yeah, definitely. i'll talk to you about that separately i'll send it to you as a thank you and this is amazing so everyone thank you very much to l um this is the end of our interview for now um but i'm sure we will be back again discussing something else to do with medical thank you very much l thank you <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Micropigmentation Podcast. If you'd like this interview, you can watch the video version on the Finishing Touches Group YouTube channel. And for updates on the next podcast, make sure to subscribe. See you soon in the next episode. This is Kelly Forshaw-Smith, signing off.